Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas. Our reading today comes from the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It's okay if you're new. You'll get it. I just want to say thanks to Pastor Matt for bringing the good news for us. Last week, in my absence, I got to go uh, to Chicago for a board meeting uh, and was serving with a group called Lutheran Men in Mission, a ministry whose vision is for every man to be a bold and daring follower of Christ. And this group, they help to create resources and lead retreats and workshops and speaker events, all to proclaim God's grace and forgiveness especially to men who have not been connected to a faith community or for one reason or another have have gone away from the church. It's a ministry that I've been a part of for more than a dozen years, even before going to seminary. And uh, it was good to get together after being only on Zoom for the last two and a half years or so. So we talked about all the important things like uh, event planning and fundraising, and we reviewed the minutes of our last Zoom meeting, all that boring stuff. But the passion that drives these mentors and these these passionate, faithful followers of Jesus is to share their faith and to walk together with guys who are facing all kinds of challenges, who need to know that there are ones who are praying for them and with them, and ones who will come alongside them and speak a word of hope for them and point them to God's love in Jesus Christ. It's powerful stuff. And during the pandemic, these these guys connected in ministry with groups all over the country. And not just Lutherans, but Methodists and Disciples of Christ and and even uh, Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Yeah, powerful stuff, I said. Uh, They had online gatherings and discipleship groups and book studies and online worship and daily devotions like a church. They were a different kind of faith community, but they were doing... Uh, the work of proclaiming Christ. And these are men passionate about staying connected to Christ in their lives and staying connected to one another in the process. Through the years, I've built relationships with these men, many of them much older than me, uh, who have invested in me and who know I will be praying for them and will be praying for me and they know my family and I know they'll be there for me always. So it's these kind of warm feelings that Paul shares with this community at Philippi. They're close to him. They're ones that he had relied on in the past who support him and the ministry. They're not quite a church either the way we might think of them, but they're coming together. And he uses these terms as he greets them in his letter like saints and bishops and deacons. Sounds very organized, very corporate, like our ELCA maybe. And they sound like titles that we have in our church, but in Paul's time... These were terms that were actually used for anyone who had a role in keeping up the temples. All those temples to the various gods and the places used for sacrifices and worship. I heard Pastor Matt talk about that a little bit last week too. And these titles, deacons and ministers, they were inclusive of all the people themselves who showed up, who had a stake in the temple and the practices there. So by using these titles, Paul is reaching out, but he's noting a a special connection between himself and the people of the faith community 
and their shared commitment to Christ. So I mentioned that because today and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hearing from the Apostle Paul in this letter to the Philippians. This was one of Paul's later writings, uh, coming nearly 30 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, about a decade after he wrote a letter to the Galatians, in which he warned them in fierce and fiery language not to listen to anyone else proclaiming some other gospel. But here he's got a different message. We'll get to that in a minute. But this community that he writes to is special to him. They hold a special place in his heart. All these communities are special, but this one especially. It's one he writes to with particular love and joy. And if you'll remember, a few weeks back, we read a chapter about this same congregation in the book of Acts, chapter 16. We heard about Lydia and all those people who meant so much to Paul. And remember, we heard about a slave girl who was shouting, these men are slaves of the Most High God. Paul got mad, he got annoyed, and he cast that, that spirit out of her that was causing her to do that. Now, that title, a slave of the Most High God, that's a title that he chooses for himself and greets that same community with. Maybe that was like an inside joke or that became his nickname or something. We don't know, I don't know. But he claims that now. You should know also that Paul is writing this letter from a prison. He's been in prison, maybe in Ephesus, maybe in Rome. Some disagreement about that among folks that read this stuff. Paul and his partner in ministry, Timothy, are locked up again. Not the first time. So it's important to note this was no stay at the Ritz-Carlton, right? This prison itself, it might have been an abandoned rock quarry. It might have been literally a hole in the wall. Probably not a, a fancy house arrest. Could be, could be, but uh, sounds more like this kind of very rugged, very rudimentary holding place. And they did not have a mess hall or cafeterias or bunk beds or blankets or reading materials, not even food. If you didn't know anyone in the community that could come alongside you, that could help and provide and care for you to bring money or food or needed supplies, you would starve to death. Without that connection, you would die. So anyone in that prison, they relied on the surrounding community of believers to provide what was needed for them to survive. So Paul was not alone in this prison, right? He had his buddy there, Timothy, his missionary partner. He had the community of the faithful around him to support him in this trial. More than that, he had Jesus, and he knew it. And he shared this love of God with the other prisoners, just like we heard in that other story when the ground began to quake as they were singing hymns all night long and praying. So now Paul writes to this community and tells them, I'm proclaiming Christ here. That's what I do. And now they all know. And the guards and the people around, they know what I'm doing. Some of them use it against me, but some of them understand that this is about God's love that connects us, that sustains us and holds us together. So Paul prayed for his church friends. He longed to be with them again, he writes in his letter. And I think about my guys in Lutheran Men and Mission, and when we gather for meetings, whether online or in person, this group always ends with prayer requests. And we go around the table. And as often, uh, as you might imagine, I get to be the designated praying one. And uh, I guess that comes with the territory, unless there's a bishop around, and then we make, we make them do it. No, it's not true. It's usually me. But they'll lift up the names of the people that maybe most of them I've never met. 
And there are members of their churches, their children and families, someone they know who's struggling with cancer or alcoholism or some disease or recovering from an accident. All these different struggles. And they all get named before God before we finish our evening in prayer together. So I'm listening and I'm trying really hard to jot down all these names and remember, okay, Tom's wife is sick and this one has COVID and that one was in an accident. I'm trying to remember all these names. It's a long list. But isn't that amazing that I get to mention these names before God to know we are connected all across the country to churches, across the nation, even across the world? Because we belong to a big church, not just this little one on the corner of 6th and St. Louis. We belong to the Colorado River Conference. That includes churches across Las Vegas and Pahrump and St. George, even Kingman. Even Kingman. That's right. Yeah. Bullhead City, Lake Havasu. Yeah. They are not God-forsaken places. They're connected to us. We are part of the Grand Canyon Synod. We're going to be down in Phoenix not too long for our, our Synod Assembly and do some important work there. And we'll do all that boring stuff and the treasurer's report and the minutes and the reports from the bishop and all that stuff. But then we're going to do stuff. We're going to pray. We're going to get serious about sharing God's word among us and out into the world and the people we serve. We're connected even more across the world as part of the Lutheran World Federation, the World Council of Churches. We connect with people all over the world. Maybe they're even watching this video in places like Ukraine or South Africa or Israel. It's on there. It's up there. Share it. You never know. And what do they hear when they tune in this video or it pops up in a Facebook feed? It's, this, is, this is kind of a weird thing. We, get, we have our youth group page on Facebook and we get all these requests and people that are um, trying to join the youth group, except they live in like Nigeria and, and other places. And I'm like, I, I don't know if you should join our youth group yet. Yet, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to that and praying for you. But somehow, some way we are connected. But when they turn on this video, what do they hear? We proclaim Christ crucified and risen. And I expect just, I hope, I pray, just about any church you walk into this morning, whether down the road here or across town or across the world, you're going to hear about Christ crucified and risen for us, for a world in need. Maybe they use different words. Maybe they'll say they are a Bible-believing church. Maybe they'll say they are a family church or a community church or a ministry of some worldwide missionary group. They might call themselves by different names or sing different hymns, but it's important to know we are connected because we are all one in Christ Jesus. And nothing we do or say can change that. Our unity is in Jesus, our Lord. Know that. Digest that. Commit that to memory. Some of these places might be more welcoming than others. Some might be more blatantly political or judgmental. That happens Maybe some are strict and they make uh, kids go outside somewhere else during the worship. We don't do that here. We want to hear them. If a baby ain't crying, the church is dying. Remember that. I didn't make that up. If you, if you steal it, you've stolen twice. They're all different. But we are here to proclaim Christ. No matter where we are. Doesn't mean we'll all agree on everything. That's for sure. But that's okay. See, Paul's writing these letters even before what we know as the four Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, before those were even written down a long time ago. And others 
have their reasons and motivations, but Paul is invoking the name of Christ for the sake of building up the community, sharing a word of salvation and forgiveness that he himself has received from Jesus through the Holy Spirit, likely being influenced maybe even by those people he met on his travelers, those other faith communities that are coming to hear this good news, and it's new to them. It's really news. This is a new message. And others are maybe getting it mixed up a little bit or maybe trying to use it to hurt someone or maybe even twist that knife in Paul's side. Those folks might have had different motives, but they all came to believe in Christ together. Paul's word of Christ, Paul's sharing of this good news builds up the community for the sake of sharing it with others. And they passed it on. Uh, I've seen quite a few graduations this week. Maybe you got to go to a graduation or maybe you even watched one online. A lot of graduations and still more to come, I know. Even my dear life partner got to celebrate this milestone in person once again. She graduated from ASU. I know. Thank you. She says thank you. But all those ones who walked across a stage who received the diploma or heard their name or got to stand up in part of a, a group of thousands, they didn't do that alone. They didn't do that alone, did they? Their success was based on the hard work and support of the people around them. They were family members or bus drivers or coaches or mentors, teachers, friends. Yeah, even student loan providers. Yeah, bless them too. All these things resulted in students reaching their goals, whatever they may be, learning, passing that test, they were not alone, just like you are not alone. We're in this life together for a reason, for each other. So you might feel like you're in some kind of prison. You might feel like you're locked up and nobody cares, but there are people here praying for you, maybe that never met you. And maybe we heard your name because of somebody who mentioned it to us and said, could you pray for my my sister Chris, could you pray for my nephew who's struggling right now? Could you pray for my husband who just doesn't want to come to church, but I know that he appreciates your thoughts and prayers? We are connected, and the word gets passed on. And we pass on what we have learned from others. We share this word that was spoken to us and for us and over us, even when we were little babies. So that even when the world changes and our lives get turned upside down, when we lose someone we love or we face a terminal diagnosis or learn to live in a different way, we keep on speaking. We keep on returning to that word that we have heard, that promise that we are not alone, that we are forgiven, that Christ died for us, that Christ was risen from the grave, that we could have that new life too. And it's not just us, but it's everyone. And we hear this in Paul's letters, that when someone hears this good news and they are baptized, their whole household gets baptized and they become part of this family of Christ. It's powerful stuff. So we keep on speaking. We keep on teaching others. We keep on sharing our stories and telling what we've been through telling folks the reason that we continue to have hope, the reason that we continue to move forward, and the reason for the love that we share. It's because God loved us first. That God loves us now and loves you 
even then, when you thought you were all alone in your suffering and disconnected from the strength of that community around you, you were still loved. And Paul prays for this community that he loves. Like I pray for you when I'm not here and you pray for me. And I know it because when things are going good, I know you are praying for me. I appreciate it. Sometimes I, it's harder when I'm struggling and I need to know it. I need to hear it. So tell us that. Let's tell each other that. I prayed for you today. I'm praying for you this week. Paul prays for this community he loves. And those ones in our lives who have lifted us up, who have invested in us, that pray for us, that would continue to keep on doing that. Continue to love one another, to share in this gospel ministry together and proclaim the love and mercy and grace of Jesus to all. Because you never know when somebody's going to need to hear that. Like, I'm going to call you out, Stephen. Okay, I saw Stephen in the grocery store the other day. And I said, Stephen, what's going on, man? When are you going to come to see us again? We miss you. We've been praying for you. He said, I know. He said, I know you have. And I'm going to be there. There he is. Hi, Stephen. <laughs> Paul keeps on speaking from prison. He even claims his suffering as an inspiration to those to whom he has spoken this good word and says they speak with even louder voices, proclaiming Christ with boldness and without fear. They become bold and daring followers of Christ because they heard this good news. They heard that word proclaimed. We need it because there's so much in the world that can tear us from each other. So many things pop up in our culture that want to make us afraid from restrictions on women's right to decide her own reproductive health, to gun violence and racial hatred, to fear among the gay and lesbian and bisexual and trans community that they might not be able to have access to health care or the same rights as others, to the fear of war and destruction, having to choose between gas and baby formula or paying for needed prescriptions. It can feel like we just keep getting beat down and we cannot get back up. But this word is powerful stuff that we keep on speaking and we keep on reminding each other you are not alone in your sufferings and what you're going through may be an inspiration to someone else when they see how you have continued to move forward in love. God's word is speaking through us. And all of God's children of all genders and races and abilities and sexualities share in this good news. And this message gets passed on. And each baptized into Christ's death and resurrection is a part of that beloved community too. And we are strengthened by one another. We grow from knowing one another. And when one proclaims Christ, the word gets sent out. And we know that word does not return empty. It does what it intends. It convicts, it soothes, it liberates, it delivers us from bondage to selfishness to sin and it awakens us to a sense of gratitude connects us to our neighbors and to one another this word creates and renews and continues God's necessary work of salvation in each one of us and the one that began this work in us will bring it to completion so keep speaking it keep connecting keep believing keep praying Keep trusting that God, who loves us all, is near to us now.
Amen. Amen.